want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman. Hi, Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome to another edition of the podcast based on the blog, based on my life. It is a Friday. Maybe you found us here on HiPodOmDad.com. Maybe you're on Apple iTunes, Google iTunes. I don't think it's called Google iTunes. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you might have found us. Thank you. If you found us on one of those platforms, please take a moment to review, comment, share. Let somebody know. Spread the word about HiPod. I'm Dad. It is a very exciting edition of the show. I have a lot of new stuff all lined up, and I'm very glad that you guys are here to hear this. This is one of those editions that I know people have wanted to hear for a while. One of those things that maybe sometimes you have questions, you have things you want to know, you don't know how to go about asking them. This is going to answer a lot of questions today, very different than some of the other editions we've done. Real quick, before we get into it, if you get a chance, go to highblogomdad.com. That is my weekly blog, Monday, Wednesday. I write blogs. They're on there. We talk about things, everything that goes on. Wrote a lot this week. Very excited about it. Please check it out. Bookmark it. Whatever you got to do, do it. Uh, But this is definitely one of those editions that I'm happy to present to you guys. I'm going to jump right into it seamlessly because this is somebody that I wanted to talk to a little bit uh, about some of the things with raising my son. As you guys know, I have a nonverbal son. He has autism. She, too, has a nonverbal son with autism. And I wanted to have her on. This is Lauren Dean. Lauren, how are you? Hi, good. Hi, how, how's everybody? Good. They are good, man. You, <laughs> you were on here a few weeks ago. You, you did the uh, the whole intro to the moment of sanity. You talked a little bit yes. about uh, Christian was on here, and he kind of he kind of helped us introduce it. Yes, I remember. He did a good uh, ready set go to start the the intro for you. That was fantastic. I well, I said yeah. when you guys did it because I've known Christian since he was tiny. Since he was just like a little kid, and I think it's it's so adorable because I watched Lucas grow up, and sometimes when you watch your own kid, you kind of lose sight of the fact of how big they're getting. But then I see your kid. Yep, they're all getting really big. I mean, they're almost as tall as us, so that's a that's a clear sign of how big they're getting. You ain't kidding now. Well, I've known we've known <laughs> you guys since preschool, since uh, yeah. since those early days, those early um, yeah. kind okay. of pro clutching days. Yes, when it was still all a learning experience, all new, and. Uh, you know, that was a good five years ago, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think those days, one of those things, I mean, not to jump into something so deep, so quick, right. but I think one of the things with those times that a lot of us experience is the fact that I remember back then thinking, I'm not even 100% sure if my kid is going to have autism. I don't know if like two years from now, he's just going to one day be like, yo, why'd you tell everyone I had autism? Be like, sorry, sorry, I didn't realize. So like we were still in that, you're still in that mind state where you, you almost feel like a fraud a little bit. You almost feel like you're in the wrong place at times. And I remember with you, you were always, you know, I know people would probably say the same thing if they were around me and meanwhile inside I was going through turmoil, but I always remember you being very cheery. You're always fun to be around because it's one of those things where you have to have people like that around you. And that's when I wrote that, that column about how it takes a village, having sometimes mm-hmm. the positivity of the people around you is what kind of gets you through those moments. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause I did try, you know, I mean, you know, I've battled on my own some, some things, but, uh, 
I always tried to keep open to, you know, also getting to know other parents, you know, networking and, you know, talking to other people in the same situation. I think that was like comforting and knowledge all at the same time, you know? Yeah. And it was scary too, because also not only just dealing with what we were dealing with, but here we were for the first time giving these kids over to these teachers and these, you know, Mm -hmm. people in the school. And no matter how great they are, that's some scary stuff. I mean, he's still my baby and he's nine, you know, so back then he was literally a baby. Yeah, we're still doing it. I agree. I think that that definitely was the scariest. I mean, I'm sure you two had therapies at home prior to putting him in a center. Putting him in the center is a, a totally different thing because, you know, our children don't speak. So, you know, it's all about instincts and trust and what you know, you know, the knowledge you learn to put them in a place. He can't come home and tell you exactly how the day went or, you know, how therapies went. So um, it is a lot of trust in deciding to make that kind of decision, you know, taking them out of the home and placing them in others' hands. I always hovered around um, those in-home therapists, I feel like. So that by the time we mm-hmm. sent them to school, it was really getting, because I mean, I was, I was there for everything around these people. Yep. What are you doing over there? What's going on over there? And yep. once he was yep. gone, he was gone. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know, you could monitor it at home. You know, you could get to know the therapists, get to know the, you know, everybody, anything. You could ask the questions. You could even sit in the sessions. But you know, once you put them in a center, you have to just fully be trustworthy of, you know, your decision and which center you decided and the communication you'll have with the staff. So uh, it's a big leap going from home to center. Definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of people too can relate because I mean, before, before Lucas, we had, you know, Olivia, uh, we were putting her in daycare once. I remember she was really little and it's kind of a similar thing because she didn't speak and she's going to daycare, which is tiny. I remember we went to this one place and it was just like this woman's basement. We walked in and we're like, what do you say? You know, we give them chips. And she's like, you know, we try to do stuff. Like if we're doing chips, I put them on a plate. I'm like, let's count the chips. One, two, like that, you know? And I'm like, all right, that's great. Thanks. And then we went to another place. They didn't know we were coming. They're like, oh yeah, we didn't. I'm like, we made an appointment. Oh yeah, we forgot. I'm like, that's a red flag right there. So you look for everything when you go to these, uh, especially for for Lucas and, and for Christian, trying to find a place. You want to make sure it's, it's perfect in every way because people send you horror stories. You know, a lot of horror stories, they send you those links to any any bad school story about a, you know, a child who has special needs. All of a sudden people are flooding your inbox with them. Have you seen this? And it's like, don't send me this anymore, please. Well, that's it. You know, and I think everyone, you have to kind of, you take it with a grain of salt. You have to also put yourself in those positions to put aside sometimes others' opinions, because I think it all depends on your own instincts and you have to still, you know, go toward those schools, you know, be open to even if somebody, you know, take in what people say, but, you know, kind of keep an open mind because sometimes people have different experiences. So what might fit for me might not fit for another parent. So I, uh, I took everything with a grain of salt and I still, I must, I must afford good eight to 10 schools before I decided on which school I wanted to put him in. I kind of sometimes worry that I err on the side of positivity with people. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll talk to other parents, even at the school we go to, you know, not anybody specifically. So if you're listening to this, not you, but like I'll right. talk to other parents once in a while and they'll they'll have an issue with something or they'll be happy with something i have a different opinion and all of a sudden i start reevaluating myself like what am i thinking yes. am i right am yes. i wrong so yeah, it's hard to kind of get a handle yep and it is i mean i think it's you know half knowledge and half instinct i mean i think my decision was fully you know on on instinct too you know as a parent you know i think when especially when your child doesn't speak you really your instincts heighten you know and you just you kind of go with your own gut and your own feelings upon, you know, of course, knowledge and uh, philosophies on which school you're going to decide on. But uh, I think it's a lot of parental instinct as well. Yeah. I mean, we've been through a lot, I think. I think, And also, 
I think when you first start seeing like your child making those advances, like I've talked about the first time that I went to uh, to a school outside where his speech teacher was, and they said, "Come stand in the hallway outside of the room, and you can listen to like what we're doing." And I heard them doing a thing with Lucas, and he was still at that age where we didn't know where he was going to go, if he was ever going to understand anything, because you're questioning everything, and you're coming to grips with, okay, if if it never gets better than this moment, am I cool with it? And then you get cool with it, and then you start to see glimmers of hope in different avenues, things starting to heighten a little bit here, getting better there. And for me, it was standing in the hallway and listening to them have him match up where these animals lived. She went, you know, Lucas, look, the, the horses live in this barn. And she took the horses away. Now, where do the horses live? And he picked up the horses and put them in the barn. And I was in the hallway shocked, like, oh, my God. And I think that, I mean, you must have moments like that, too, where mm-hmm. the first time you get to experience, like, oh, he's starting to get there. They're reaching him in a certain way here. It, it almost makes you feel good about the decision you made. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember one of mine was um, his speech therapist sent me a video of him saying the alphabet. And I had, didn't even know he could say the whole alphabet, you know. And that really was my, you know, that was like a big thing to know that he was able to do that. And also in that place, you know, it just kind of solidified my decisions. And I felt really good about where he was and the progress he was making because, you know, I didn't get that at home. I didn't see him doing that at home. So I didn't even know he was capable at that point to be able to get through the whole alphabet. So that was a, a bit very proud moment for me. That's a big thing, too. I think there's a lot yeah. of things because, my, you know, our kids, they are who they are the way people expect them to be. So with like Lucas, I said, like if he has a bus matron who doesn't think that he can walk, he'll let her carry him up and down the stairs. He'll just go limp. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? So I feel like at school, if they expect certain things of him, like at home, I would never think to like match up horses to a barn for him. But at school, exactly. if they're doing that. And that, I think, in, in some ways, I mean, it's such a good thing about, about what they do all day, and it's why school is so important for them. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference with the, the one-on-one and the face-to-face interaction, you know, versus, you know, unfortunately what we're going through right now, which is, you know, remote learning. Yeah. Our children, it's not as easy for our children to sit and attend on a camera, you know, as it is to, for them to, you know, be working directly and some of these therapies it it really is a hands-on hand you can't really do it you know thoroughly over a computer so that's also you know that's also the the struggle right now for many parents i think that's one of the things that i wanted people to understand too when i talked about wanting them to open up the schools again wanting to get my son an education again when we went to you know we you came with me to that uh press conference that we went to the day that they signed it over it felt like we really did something but i mean we kind of just hung out <laughs> it, was, it was such a good thing just to be there and support and exactly. be a part of it because yeah, at the end support. of the day we're like we did it for us right now being at home it's not like we want to get our kids out of the house like this is this is hard for us right now but i'm willing the things that we're willing to do to get our kids oh. back in front of somebody i'll sit outside of a classroom i'll drive him back and forth he doesn't have Absolutely. to go to lunch like yeah. i just want to get him because it feels like every kid has deserved an education and if your child's yeah. not really advancing even though he's doing well i feel like he. I feel like he's doing okay when it comes to what he has to do, but he's not advancing. And they're, they're being honest about that. They're saying we're not yeah. being we're not able to teach him new flashcards. We're not able to teach him new things. Just kind of at best make sure that they don't regress. And I think that that's... Yeah. And well, you know, of course, but, you know, with our children, it goes beyond the academic. It's the therapy aspect, you know. I mean, the many children are regressing. And, you know, it's so, it's, it's so fast for our children to be able to regress and so... It takes so much longer for them to then catch up, you know, so the regression and, the, and the many times can happen much faster than the progress. So I think, um, you know, 
the academics is very important, but it's actually the therapies. And that's what I'm, I feel like at least they need to go in. Even if, like you said, we could drive them, we could pick them up. They don't need the, the trips. They don't need the water play. They don't need the lunch, but they need the speech therapy and they need the OT and they need the PT. And uh, even if they just went into that, it would make such a difference for many families. I mean, there are many families struggling and seeing their children, you know, unfortunately, losing some abilities if they took so long that, you know, they were so proud and progress that made that child, child made for so all these years. So I think that's the difference for us. With you on that. I think, well, even, even the things that people don't think about, the walking down the hallway, the sitting yeah. in a chair, the yep. listening to somebody else in the room, that's, well, that's hard it. to do at home. Yeah. And also the socialization. I mean, our children too, that's a big part of their therapy is the socialization as well. And that's why the remote learning is also hard because, you know, I think for our children, the therapies go along with the socializing and they need to be with other people. They need, they need that interaction. Some of our children struggle socially. Some of our children, you know, don't know how to, you know, interact with other peers or even sometimes, sometimes even adults. And that's a big part of the therapy as well. And then what was, what was really scary is, I mean, we talk about ourselves and our kids too, but I feel like the more we're a part of this community, the more we start to meet other people who have children in this situation. And I remember the night that we went to that press conference, somebody had said, you know, it's going to be on the news. And I remember I turned into the news and they had like five seconds of it on the news. Yes. But they showed another family and they were talking about the regression that these people were going through and their kids, you know, were, and I, there's no like worse, better or anything like that, but just different. And their kids are talking about kids who are pulling their hair out, kids who are biting their nails down. So they bled, like really just self-harm things that people, the kids were doing from regression. And the kind of regression that I think a lot of people don't even think about. They hear regression, they go, oh, well, they forgot to, you know, how to use a fork. It's like, it's not, some, yes. for some people, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Yes. Well, that's it. You know, there's so many different forms of regression. It can just be like, okay, you know, the child was able to use utensils and now the child's not really, you know, using the utensils. But then there are the children that, you know, might be up to par with all those things they've learned, but they're struggling behaviorally and it can be detrimental. So that, uh, that could be, that could, that, that's something many families, I think, are, I think are struggling with and it's scary and you have to worry about your child in a physical sense on top of an emotional sense. So the most important, I think that part of it is definitely something that needs to be seriously considered. Well, I'm hoping that they definitely find some way around it. I think that's one of the things, too. Like, when we went out there and we talked about wanting to kind of put an end to this distance learning, for me, the big problem was the fact that it wasn't really working. And that's the only issue that I had. It's not that I want him back in school. If you can give me another alternative that is not going to school, like, if they want him to sit outside on a park bench, you know what I mean? Like, if, yes. if they can give me yep. just something, like, look, what else do you have? This, is, this isn't good. You've done the same thing that I've done. And I've, I've had moments in my life where I feel like, everything has kind of gone on hold where I'm like, all right, I'll do whatever you need me to do for Lucas. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to, and I've talked about this on here and I've talked about it in writing, I'm trying to create a better person, not just for him, but for society. I want him to be a part of the community, just like you want for Christian. And I think yep. that that's why it's so important for the state and the people that we entrust to educate our kids to understand that. We're not just trying to get him out of the house. We're trying to make him better for you so that one day you don't have somebody that everybody else has to take care of. I don't want people to take care of Lucas. And I don't think Lucas would want people to take care of him. Same thing with Christian. We want to make them the best they could be. Exactly. It's, it's trying to make them as independent as possible, you know, so they can be on their own as much as we can get them to. That's the most important part. So our, you know, our schooling is a different type of schooling. It, to have them be able to function 
and society, you know, and, and be able to socialize and be able to interact with other people. It's a lot of different elements. So yes, I'm, you know, I'm still, you know, cautious about all that's going on and having him engrossed in, you know, a lot of, with a lot of people and those kind of public settings. But this, you know, I just, I hope that it could work out in a way that, you know, they can still follow all the guidelines, but still be able to give our children the essential therapy that they need. A couple hours a day, if it's not a whole day, if it's only a couple times a week. But I do hope, you know, it could work out for all the districts and they could have also the staffing to do it. That's a big part of it too. Yeah. You know? Well, even as in-home, even as in-home uh, therapist that was just about to start before we, we, you know, ended up in this Corona universe. She told me the other day, she's like, you know, I'm dying to see him. I have all, all these ideas. I drive past your block. Sometimes I think I should go stay high, but I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know if I can. So what I found, and I, I don't know, maybe different districts have different kind of teachers. I found such enthusiasm by these teachers because, and this might be a gross generalization, I don't mean to make it, but I think a lot of people in this field specifically get into this field because they want to make a difference. And I'm not saying the teachers don't or anything like that, but I think if you're making the decision to be uh, a special education teacher, a special education aide, or a behavioral therapist, something like that, it's because you really want to make a change. And I'm finding for me, the people that I'm talking to, the people that we're interacting with, they're dying to get back to this. I know yes. we went to that rally and one of, yeah. you know, the, the OT was there. You know? yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, hey, yeah. don't worry. They, they want to do this. They've been talking about it. for trying to give even their own ideas on how that can happen. So that's been kind of yeah. heartwarming to hear. Absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that's gotten me through this is, is my teachers and my therapists because they've all been that way. And they, because they also know how it's so much more productive for them to be able to be with our children and give them this therapy. You know, they know that, that this is not the ideal way for them. And this is not going to be, you know, to give them the opportunity for full success. So just knowing that, you know, they want to be there. They want to be able to do. And, you know, they're willing to work it out. And they'd be willing to do anything they can to help is what got, I know for me, what got me through these months. Just knowing that, that the support was there. Absolutely. Yeah, same here. I think it's mm-hmm. been, uh, it's been nice. And it's one of those things, too, where we get a chance to interact with these teachers a little bit more. Like, I mean, I was writing the notebook and kind of get notes back and forth, but getting to see how they do it, see how they interact yeah. with Lucas, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good experience. But let me ask you this, though. There's one of the things that I was most interested in having you on for, because there's, a, there's an old saying, and I think anybody who's listening to this, if you have a child with autism, you know this saying, or if, you've, if you don't have a child with autism and you've just heard of the word autism, you've probably heard of the old phrase, you know, if you've met one person with autism, mm-hmm. you've met one person with autism. And it sounds like such a, kind of like a catchphrase, like, oh, that's, that's very clever of you. It's a witty little thing, but it is so true because I think one of the things that I love the most when I talk to you about our kids is the fact that our children are both so unique in how their autism affects them and and, and their behaviors and their quirks and the things that they do, but yet so similar to one another. There's things that Christian does that I think... Lucas doesn't do that, but that's totally a Lucas thing. You know what I mean? Like things yes, like that. Yes. And I, I want to ask you, since we're still on distance learning before we get into everything else, tell everybody, because one of the things that you tell me about how he tries to get out of distance learning is so similar to things that Lucas does. So when you when you deal with it, what are what are some of the, the challenges, I guess, that you could face when, when trying to deal with uh, with Christian on distance learning? Oh, oh. Christian will, you know, turn it into a, a love fest when it's like a, a deflect. He tries to deflect from it and, and make me become distracted. So he'll get very mushy. He'll kiss me. He'll hug me. He'll have my, you know, have me almost in a headlock to kiss. And 
it's like the whole time. So it's like, you know, I'm still trying to have him attend to the computer, look at it. But no, he's just too busy wanting to be on me. So that's his biggest way. I mean, there's days that sometimes he's struggling a little differently and he might melt down a little more. But um, it's usually a love fest. That's the way he's distracting me. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I love you, I, mommy. Like, can we play? Can we just hug? I don't want to do this, you know. <laughs> And, you know, it's hard because it, it, it's fun. And I love being affectionate, him being affectionate, being affectionate with him. But it's like the moment that the, the recession's over, it's like, bye, mom. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know? It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're good? We're good. Okay. Exactly. That's his biggest Lucas does such a similar thing to that. Well, you know what he does? He, I think, because I think it was sometime or another, he realized, I must have, you know, I kind of take some of the blame for it a little bit. He doesn't do it with, with distance learning. He does it with other things. I, whenever I would give him the iPad or something to play with or, or something that he wanted, I always make him give me a kiss for his mind. Uh-uh. And he gives me a kiss on the cheek. And I'm like, oh. Yep. So now if he asks for the iPad, and I'm like, Lucas, you have it. As I'm talking to him, he'll take his <laughs> finger, he'll move my head, he'll turn it to the side, and he'll kiss me on the cheek. And I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, it's <laughs> not a, he thinks it's like a key to unlock the iPad. Like, oh, let's give him a kiss. And then I get the iPad. Like, totally, when you told me that, I laughed so hard because I know what it's like when he's like, all of a sudden, like, now you love me. You love me because we have to do work. And it's um, exactly. it's similar, was, but Lucas falls asleep. You know, he's, I wrote in the thing this week, he, he gets exhausted. But it's almost the same thing where it's this, this idea, and it must be the same where I guess at some point or another Christian realized that, oh, well, if we're all lovey-dovey and I have to do this, and Lucas is the same way with, you know, oh, if I fall asleep, I could just go to sleep. No exactly. one's going to bother me. Yes, very much. I mean, Christian always had a little of this in him. You know, I remember even when he was younger in, the, in preschool, and there was many times I'd go to, you know, have a conference with either one of the therapists or the teacher, and they would say, you know, oh, he's a charmer. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of charming. He, he tries to distract you by being affectionate. And sometimes it could work a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> once you get to know the personalities of our kids, you know that that's their way of trying to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to hear it all the time. And they'd be like, is he tired? Did he sleep? He seemed really tired. To- I mean, he's not tired. He got, he slept, like, for... <laughs> 12 hours he's not tired or like what will happen is too sometimes <laughs> sometimes i'll send him home and i'll be reading the book and I'll be like did lucas lucas seemed very sluggish today he didn't seem like himself and as i'm reading this he's like hopping around me screaming and clapping and i'm oh, like dude yes. what did you do today man what did you just want to do anything many That's times what... i've had those notes <laughs> many times we had that thing last year with the school where i talked about where they had him do half a day and one of the one of their concerns was that he would get tired midday so I said, well, we'll do half a day. You see how he is. And then they would ask me, did he take a nap when we sent him home? I'm like, take a nap? No, we didn't take a nap. Like, it was like ridiculous to me. And I think with maturity, he eventually started doing it. But initially, the reason why they sent him home was they thought that he, he physically, he, he's just so fatigued. He's not fatigued. He's like, he's a jerk. Like, he's just trying to get to you. He just, yeah, he's just like, he was over it. You know, he knew. He knew how to try. Just like, you know, a lot of typical kids will play sick. You know, it's the same kind of philosophy. <laughs> oh, yeah, like stomach aches and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, you go to the nurse and slip road or whatever have you. But uh, our children, you know, they either get affectionate, they get sleepy, or they just get stubborn. <laughs> it could yeah. be that as well. I mean, Christian, he used to, um, he knew how to request a walk, and he always loved to walk. So sometimes, you know, the teacher will, if he requests it, let him go for a little quick walk in the hallways. Well, he started doing that very many times through the day, and it was like, they started putting a connection on every time we try to get him to work, he wants to go for a walk. So it's another way of getting out of it. Speaking of the walk, one of the things that Christian does that I love, tell everybody about when he wants to, how you know that he's ready to go out. He wants to get out of the house. He wants to take a little, uh, uh, his way, his way, his way is 
he always wears a baseball cap when he goes out. And it started when he was young because he used to, you know, the sun used to bother him. And he'd like sometimes really get upset if we tried to bring him out. It was too sunny. So um, at the time, I had an ABA therapist, a home therapist, and we had her working on getting him used to a hat because that was like the best idea, you know, to block the sun. Well, now it's just part of his thing. You know, some people put their shoes on well, he puts his hat on. So the minute he wants to go out, he'll go over to where I keep his hats and get a hat. And now he'll also put his shoes on. So <laughs> the hat has always been the symbol of get me out of here. I'm ready to go out. Yep. <laughs> I love that. When you told me that that one time, you're like, he has his hat on. He's ready to go. I'm like, he has his hat oh, on. He's yeah. walking. He's chasing around the house in his hat. I'm like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh, yes. And he's persistent. So the hat goes on. And now, you know, that he's able to put his own shoes on. So he'll put the shoes on. And then it's that's it. <laughs> it's uh, he'll follow me until I'm, I'm outside with him. Absolutely love that. Well, they have, and that's what I said before about the similarities. Like Lucas has definitely has things that he likes to do, but one of the other things too is, uh, you know, with Lucas, some of the things that he'll always be carrying around. He loves his iPad, top thing. Uh, he also has, and it's become kind of recent. I don't love it. He's got like a blanket he likes to chew on. It has to be a certain blanket that he chews on. I don't know if it's like a uh, an oral stem thing or if it's like his teeth. It's it could be anything. But he yep. loves these blankets. Christian has something, too, that, again, is something that is not, you know, a Lucas thing, but it's a total Lucas thing. So yes. I love that he has an accessory. <laughs> That's right. It's his accessory. It's a balloon. I mean, he's been, since young, obsessed with balloons. And, you know, which is our go-to. And every time we go out, it's the hat, the shoes, and the balloon. The balloon has to be in hand. So that's... Uh, like his little friend <laughs> i love it and you told me you're like your mom buys balloons you, oh, you're like yeah. we buy all these balloons online like it's like it's a whole section of like your life that people don't really like it becomes like like a, like a budget in your house like this is yeah. the food budget and the balloon budget and the, you know you have you have your stuff you need and under these conditions being quarantined there was something i worried about and how to get balloons thankfully i was able to keep getting them through amazon but uh, it was a worry because <laughs> they have to be here every day you know and then he associates them to going it's a part of also going out so even if we're playing in the yard he likes to play with balloons and they pop often when they're outside so you know we have hundreds of balloons at all times in this house i love that <laughs> i really love that it's like mm -hmm. it totally yeah. to me it's like such a and like lucas isn't into balloons like if anything my daughter loves balloons she likes to like hit them in the air we hit them back and forth i filled a room with yeah. balloons for her birthday lucas is kind of indifferent to it but there's something just so familiar feeling to the fact that he loves balloons. I don't know what it is. Like, I got pictures because because he has things like that, things that we need to get, things that he needs to have in the house that we, uh, yeah. I definitely really TV shows with him, like Raffi and Wiggles and things. Like when they took Wiggles off of Hulu, uh, it went to, it went to Netflix, but there was like a two week layoff in between the two. And we were like, oh my God, life is over. What are we going to do? We paid like 12 mm -hmm. bucks to get like six episodes of the Wiggles on Amazon Prime. Otherwise we were like, we're done because it's all he does. He asks for the Wiggles and you're like, oh no, and I'll freak out. I'll get upset. Or his music yep. box that he has that he carries around the house. Like, if that thing ever breaks, we're dead. He, like, throws it against yes. the wall. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? This is your lifeline. But uh, so I totally relate to the balloon. <laughs> and it's amazing because the music box probably still go is still going, right? I mean, there's I toys how, like that yeah. with Chris. Yeah, like, and I mean, we're thankful because we need those toys to keep going. But there's a couple of toys like that with Christian, too, that he's just, you know, really dropped and abused through the years. And it's his go-to. And they're still going, so... Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully. Today, I used to think that he would throw the music box because he throws it over his gate, which, by the way, thank you. Uh, for you guys don't know, we had a gate on Lucas's door, you know, to keep him from, you know, running out in the middle of the night and doing whatever. So for a while, our gate was held together with 
you know, faulty screws and a broom that pushed against the wall. It was awful. And then you suggested a gate, which is fantastic. It's like it closes, it opens. We're in the you know 21st century, so it's it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, uh, and it's metal. It's heavy and it's tall. So you know, thankfully, because our boys are bigger now, they can't open it or go over it yet. So that's the key. You know what he does though? Well. He never had he never had a gate like this where it's got like bars on it. So when he wants to come out, I'll be like, "What do you want?" And he takes his foot and he puts it through, so it touches the hallway, and he looks at me, kind of like, "I want my foot there." And I'm like, "Oh, you want to get out?" That's how it was. But I thought I thought he was throwing things over the gate to like because he was bored or something. This morning, literally this morning, I gave him the iPad because I got to that point where I'm just like, "I'm just gonna give him the iPad today. I'm not I'm not getting up like at 5:30 because now it's 5:30 in the morning." So I just give him the iPad. So he has the iPad and he's playing with it. And then all of a sudden I look over and he's just on the iPad playing and he goes to the gate and just whoop, throws his his music box over the thing and it crashes to the ground. I looked at him I'm like, what are you doing, dude? So I got up mad at him. I'm like, look, that's it. That's it. Give me the iPad. It's gone. It's gone. I'm taking it away. I'm taking it away. I took the iPad away. And I put it on mm-hmm. my dresser. I turn around. I'm like, now it's gone. Now what? And you know what he did? Big smile. He fell to the ground. He looked at me and he's like smiling. And I'm like, what's up? So you've had, I know you've had mornings like that too. Where you wake up and you're just like, oh, and then they're so cute and so yes. loving and so sweet. Oh, yes, and you're like, yes. I can't be mad at you, dude. I can't. Well, it's the same thing as with the work. You know, when you try to get them to work and they get lovey. Same thing that they know. It's early. <laughs> it's very early and I really shouldn't be up. So let me just, you know bombard them with infection and yeah. you can't you can't help it you can't help but just love it even if it's three o'clock in the morning <laughs> early morning lucas is the best lucas of the day because he's like yeah. he's so happy just to be out of bed and up that like if i show up there i get applauded like i want I've, I've never that's the one thing about the day man like it's you, you can you can go through a lot of stuff and life is hard and blah 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 but like i get applause every morning of my life walking into Aww. that room and a big hug yeah. and i'm just like Good morning, everyone. Good morning, world. And then from there we go. From never exactly. <laughs> well, it's a good way to, you know, get through the day. If you start the day like that, you get through the rest of the day. So it's a, it's like a reboot every morning. Absolutely. Every morning with them. Yep. I was excited to have you on. And I opened it up to some questions from everybody out there. And if you guys are listening to this, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep taking questions from you guys. You can always ask questions on directly on our Facebook page, uh, either Hi Blog on Dad or Hi Pod on Dad, either of those, uh, taking questions from everybody. Also, you could send a, an email to words at highpodomdad.com. Remember, just send your words. They could be a comment. They could be a question. Uh, so we have a couple of them. I figured I'd, I'd open it up to you, too. You can answer some of these. They all, they all flow in. Um, See, we got these on the Facebook page here from Kyle Jetzel. He asked uh, two questions that I think both of them kind of apply to you, too. So you can mm-hmm. you can give some answers to the first one is uh, what advice would you give to a dad or a parent that has just learned of his child's diagnosis? So one of the things I would always say is that this is life, you know, and that's one of the things that kind of got me through it when it first happened, because it was obviously we talked before about how it was a struggle and it's something that I dealt with. But it's one of those things where if you complain about it, if you just look at the negatives of it, nothing is ever going to come of that. No one's ever going to turn around and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that you're unhappy with what happened. Well, we'll just give you a new life. This is your life. So if this yes. is your life, you have to make the best of it mm-hmm. so it could be the best life. Because if you're miserable about it, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And everything, especially if, if you wanted a child and you make the decision to have have a child, whether it's you know biological, adopted, however you have this child, you've made the decision to bring a child into your life, not a specific child, not a specific person. There's different ways that people turn out. There's different ways they grow. People are different. Children are different. 
you just have to be willing to be a parent. And if you're a parent, that child is going to be somebody who gravitates to you and somebody that you can have a relationship with and someone that you can love. And once I did that, once I realized, you know, no one promised me anything except for a kid. And now I have this kid. I was able to kind of put those walls down and be able to spend time with him and be able to get to know him as a person. It's scary, especially when they're little. And it only gets better if you make it better. Yes, absolutely. But I also think, you know, you have to also give yourself, be patient with yourself. I mean, you know, it's okay to go through the process and, uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself to have, you know, that time period that might be hard and you might struggle. But, you know, just don't live in it. Realize, you know, you have to kind of reboot again. And just like you said, you're a parent, you know, and you have to focus on the good. You know, there's so much good in this in this life. Not just, you know, the struggle or the, the therapies and the what if, is he going to be able to, are they going to do this? Just love them, you know, be patient with yourself and with them and uh, find all the joy in it because there's a lot of joy in it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I should also also clarify too that um, I also had a heart attack and a quintuple bypass. So that kind of helped a little bit to kind of ease me <laughs> into that thing. So I would give you guys, that's another piece of advice Absolutely. too. If you, if you can't grieve, if you can't go through that process that Lauren talked about, just have a quintuple bypass and you'll get to do it. <laughs> just be I think it sounds so simple sometimes. I forget about that one major thing that happened, right? He was like a year old and I was just like, oh, I'm going to die. It's all good now. So there's definitely, sometimes it takes a, a life-changing moment to make that happen too. No, but that's why you were able to be like that right away, you know, because you did go through something that our child with autism doesn't compare to, you know, so that's why you were made you that way. And that takes sometimes other people that don't go through uh, life and death experience, sometimes a little longer to get there, but every parent does. So if you're just learning of it, don't don't beat yourself up to go through a little bit of a grieving process or just a, a scary, unknown don't know where to start because that's that's part of it you know it's also just like it's a whole new world you know and you have to figure out you have to navigate through your feelings and you have to figure out where do i start and it's just being patient with yourself because you get there you get there yeah we were an autism parent like we we're just right. we were just people before this happened so it's not like nobody exactly. put you through a screening process and oh you're a good person you could do this you're not a good person you're not gonna be able to handle this like you just get what you get and you don't get upset. Kyle Very also true. wants to know, and this is something that applies to you, um, just I know from talking to you, wanted to know, how do you keep your sense of humor during tough times? So I know that you are a lot like me. This, I think, <laughs> applies to anything, not just our children, but just in life in general. So how do you kind of keep that upper, you know, stiff upper lip, uh, the humor of everything as uh, sometimes, you know, uh, Rome is burning around you? <laughs> well, depends on the day. Say, say right there. <laughs> It depends on the day, you know. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I guess I, I realize also it depends on the day, but it's also just the day. You know, every day is different. So, you know, it might be a struggling day. But, you know, you kind of get through it knowing that, okay, today might be a little struggling, but tomorrow could be like a perfect, great day. So just kind of go, go through the motions of, you know, trying to stay strong and realize this is not forever. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow will be a whole new day. That's how I get through it. Yeah, I can relate to that. I think that's the same kind of I, I kind of find that like, I don't know, I feel like if, if sometimes situations that I'm in that are frustrating while I'm in them, I think if this was on TV and I was mm-hmm. watching somebody else deal with this, this would be kind of funny, you know, so I try to like yes. remember that, too, because I, I, we laugh at miserable stuff. There's that yes. old saying that like the difference between comedy and tragedy is that, you know, 
Uh, comedy is when a safe falls on your head, and tragedy is when it falls on mine. You know, and that's kind of yeah. like the difference yeah. where it's the exact yeah. same situation, but it's like. Yep. Well, that's it. I think also not taking everything so seriously. You know, sometimes in those hard, toughest moments, there's that one little thing. You know, that one little thing that they might do or something, you know, somebody else will do or somebody will say. And it just turns the whole situation around. So, you know, you kind of live for those moments and it makes you realize that maybe that situation wasn't as bad as you were starting to escalate it to be. So exactly. that's what I try to focus also on, you know, <laughs> as time goes on man. and time is a healer. And especially when it comes to yes. like comedy and funny things, like as enough time goes by, you're able to look back and. You know what I was thinking about yesterday? I heard somebody made a joke about like the Titanic. They were like, yeah, it's like the Titanic. And I'm thinking like people died on the Titanic. Like how, how long did it take before that became like a punchline? You know, like how long yeah. were people were like, what, this is like the Titanic over here. And people are like, that's not funny. That's not funny. Exactly. That boat just sank. Like, I'm sorry. Nowadays people are like, it's like the Titanic. And everyone's like, it's Titanic. Like, it's, it's a certain cutoff point where I guess all the living people are dead from that time period. And just like, you know. It's funny now. It's okay to be a joke. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. You know, time. Time gives you that, you know, I think in any circumstance, you know, at the time, you can't make it a joke. But, you know, eventually you can make it a lighter, especially if you get through it. <laughs> if you got through it, you can make it a lighter situation. Find some punchline in it. Sharon Turner actually wrote over to uh, to our email, words at highpottomdad.com, and asked, uh, what toys have helped the most with your child? My son's PT has us using an exercise ball that is great for balance. So uh, I guess the idea of anything around the house, any toys that they use. I know for a while with Lucas, it was a, it was a problem of getting him to play appropriately. That's something that I know they've focused on in school, something that we dealt with, something that he's actually gotten better through the years where it seems funny that a parent would be cheering their kid playing with like a ball game or a jack-in-the-box, but I do. Like when he started playing with a jack-in-the-box, I'm like, yes. He's like, dun 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 And I was like, yeah, I get all excited or put the balls down the ball drop or the little car yeah. car toy definitely has moments like that and i think i think for us it's a ball too i think he him and his sister he has this giant ball that we got a five below where he's able to catch it from distances pretty far which is shocking like i don't know how he does it. we never expected it and he's mm. able to throw it with a lot of force too and it was funny because we kind of we made him do it the first time we're like look you have to play with us you have to play with us and to see this kid He's in the middle of the den, and he's crying. <laughs> he's catching the ball. Good job. Look, he's still throwing. <laughs> he's throwing it. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just playing ball with you. But it's uh, that was one of the first times, I think, that I really was so impressed with kind of how this thing that, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's like an afterthought. It's like something you just buy for you. Go, I'll buy him a ball. I'll buy him this. Um, it taught him a lot. It's to the point where when we were doing his um, CSE meeting at school, they were trying to figure out if he had problems with his midsection or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, he throws this ball at home. And his gym teacher's like, oh, yeah, he throws that ball. And they were like, well, if he really couldn't do it, he would just fall over. So it's almost like even that thing that to us is this exciting moment that he knows how to do this. It's also a sign of strength. It's a sign of where his you know, problems come into effect and when they don't. So sometimes it, it could tell you a lot just based on how they play with something. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, you know, there's also things that you could use to manipulate, too, like clothespins and bead it, beads, like stringing beads. And, like, there's all those therapeutic ways, too, besides just trying to find. Because sometimes some children are taught to even find the toy that's going to entertain them or they're going to want to engage with. You know, our boys, thankfully, like balls, you know, and that's a big thing. There's, there's many things you could think of, you know, many. Beading and scissors. Yeah. Everything, you know, clothespins. 
a bead sword that he has too, though. One of those uh, where yeah. you slide the beads on it. He like sits exactly. there and he like examines it. He looks like a, like a professor. And it's the cutest thing. <laughs> he's like very slowly. One goes all the way around. And then if I do it, he'll let me do it a little bit. And sometimes I'll just like reach over and be like, ugh, like almost like I'm a schmuck. I'll be like, give me this, and like, he'll just do the bead. And like, so, yeah. uh, I remember too. He also has. It's a lot of imitation too. And this is totally a yes. separate story, but it's one of my favorite stories because it was it, Olivia was there for it. Sometimes Lucas will make sounds that sound like words, but sometimes they come at a time where they're like perfect for the moment, you know, and I've noticed him trying to imitate things from his iPad once in a while, or he had a song where they would go, uh, you know, one little finger, bump, 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 like that, and he would go, uh, 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 and we're like, yeah, that's great. But there was one time he had a, he has a, a dog called Scout, and Scout says his name, we programmed in his birthday, and Scout will be like, Lucas, you know, what's my name, that kind of a thing, or hey, Lucas, what's your favorite color? And we were sitting in my office, and it was me and Olivia were playing something, and Lucas had Scout, and he pressed the button, and Scout goes, Lucas, woof. Will you give me a hug? And Lucas goes, no. Like that. <laughs> we he did? Lost it. Yeah, it was so funny. But I don't know if he meant the no or not. But like we got excited. Olivia, so she's like, did he say no to Scout? And we laughed so hard. We tried to get him to do it again. But I think things like that, too, like that vocal play. And, you oh, know, yeah. especially for our kids. Because, you know, I mean, Christian has come leaps and bounds. But I know oh, that, you know, you. you guys have had the same struggle with him. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. When he did the, the moment of sanity. And he, you know, he, he had his, his voice on. I was like blown away by how great it is because I've, I've watched you. him grow. I, I know how it is, like trying to get them to imitate and do things like that. Yep. Yes. I mean, you know, when that starts, if that starts, you know, it's, yeah, it's amazing. You know, he still struggles with many words, but he'll, he'll attempt any word. So that's, that's definitely a blessing for us. Definitely. Every time I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, Christian, I'm so excited. Um, that's one of the things too. Like the longer we've known you guys, so long, so it's 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 almost like his his achievements are are so special. Like I hear them and I get excited. And, you know, you're related to yourself and just yes. I don't know. Like watching him grow, watching it's almost like it gives you kind of hope for your own. So when you see it with Lucas, I know you feel it with Christian. When I see it with Christian, yes. I feel it with Lucas. It's a good moment. I mean, yeah, Lucas and Christian have been from day one together. You know, and then ironically, we ended up in the same town and in the same school district after preschool so you know lucas has always been christian's buddy from day one gina wanted to know she wrote this over to words at high bottom dad i want to know how is your son with feeding my child eight also nonverbal, is a notorious shover do you deal with this and i think shover is one of those words that i think autism parents you know sometimes know that other people might not be familiar with um how are you guys with eating and uh well i was just gonna say this is, I think, the only area that's very different with me, with Christian and Lucas, because I, I know Lucas loves to eat and like he's pretty much open to food and he eats many different right foods. Mm-hmm. Christian does not. Christian is very picky. There's a small repertoire of foods he'll eat. I mean, it's gotten a little better through the years. He'll at least try things, but uh, we don't have a big selection of choice when it comes to Christian. And it's not even a texture thing, because sometimes, you know, it can be certain textures with, with our children, you know, they don't like soft or too hard or crunchy. But with Christian, it's, it's, he's got something in every category. It's just, you know, he likes what he likes. I'd love to get him to eat more, but it's a, it's a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. So he just eats a lot of what he likes. A lot. <laughs> a lot of it. We have a similar, I mean, with him, it comes down to if he requests something, he definitely requests always pizza. Um, mm-hmm. But with him, it's like whatever you can kind of grab out of it. He definitely has his favorite cinnamon toast crunch. And what, what he does is, and this is, I think, the biggest frustration that I think a lot of people don't understand because when I had written a while back, I had written about having issues and trying to teach him not to steal food. 
And somebody had said, I don't know how a child could steal food from their own house. You know, like, as I ha- you don't understand how a child can steal the family's food by eating a whole box of whatever we just bought. And he does that. Like, he'll go into the kitchen, he'll open the cabinet. And now we've started locking cabinets in the fridge, too. But sometimes you don't remember to do it. And he takes the right. box out. And one of the things with our kids that people have to understand is that they're not they're not sneaky in the sense that they, like, take it and hide it or whatever. Like, with Lucas, it's just, like, right in your – like, he'll walk past you. You'll be like, Lucas, don't go into the cabinet. And he'll just walk past you and open the cabinet and just look at me as he's eating it out of the cabinet. I'm yes. like, dude, what yes. are you doing? So he leaves the box sideways, tipped over. And I always know he's there. And he just goes back and forth into the kitchen, sticks his hand in the box, takes some crackers out. So he'll eat a whole box of cheese. It's a whole box of cinnamon toast crunch. So for the most part, he's picky unless he gets into that almost like gluttonous stage where if you leave your dinner sitting there and he wants to eat something, he'll just pick it up and eat it. Uh, he'll eat a waffle out of the fridge, uh, out of the uh, toaster. He'll pull it out of the toaster. Somebody leaves their dinner sitting there. He'll eat the whole dinner. And you're just like, oh, man, it's... But I get with shoving. I have to actually physically slow him down. Yes. Yes. Right. You have that? Yes. Not as much as he's gotten older, but when he was younger. Yes. We had a lot of that, you know, so we did have to kind of just monitor how much we gave him at once. You know, I mean, you know, if we were giving him pizza and we cut it up, we would just give him a few pieces at once because he did have a period of time that he just shoved and shoved and could only control that so much unless you're putting your hands in their mouth to get it out. So, so you don't have to do that. That's how we handled it. We just kind of gave him a few pieces at once. And once he was done with that, a little more. And thankfully, as he got older, I kind of just, he grew out of it. He, I guess he understood the concept better. But when he eats, what he'll do is he takes a piece in his mouth, piece in his mouth, piece. In. So I'll take his hand and I'll put my hand over his hand and I'll stop. I go, Lucas, stop. Chew, chew, chew. He goes, Ugh. I'm like, chew. And he looks at me so mad, like, chew. The other day, they actually did it where he was going one, two, one, two, and he's doing it and doing it. So I put my hand, I go, stop, stop, chew. And he looked at me and as he's looking at me, he had his other hand, he picks his other hand up and he had pizza in his left hand and he puts it in his mouth. He looks at me like, screw you, buddy. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? So they, uh, he also, you know what he does oh, too yes. sometimes? So he picks up three pieces at a time and he'll hold it against his chest and then he'll like reach into it and take one piece and put it in his mouth. He's like, he's in such a hurry to get it all in his face that, yeah. You know, if you feed him first before everybody else sits down, by the time you serve everyone else, he's done and he's ready to leave oh, the table. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I go through that here every time. It's like by the time I have him sitting and eating and by the time I get to sit, sit down and eat, he's already done and he wants seconds. So I'm up <laughs> right away. You know, it's it's amazing. And especially I don't know. I think a lot of parents, at least that I've talked to, have gone through through this period of isolation is I think they're eating a lot more, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think it's a little bit of a being home all day and uh, maybe a, a boredom or what have you, a growth spurt maybe through this period of time. But uh, I know my son is eating a lot more. So it's also uh, <laughs> to keep up with that is hard. <laughs> I gave him one of my old shirts today. My, he's nine. And I gave him one of my <laughs> shirts. I was like, this is, it's a, it's a game of Thrones shirt. And it's like this like red, <laughs> Lannister shirt that I haven't worn in a while. I'm like, oh, I'm like, wow. So I tried to give it to Olivia. She's like, I don't want this. I'm like, where's the bed? Nah. And then I went in, I put it on Lucas and I fit him. And I'm like, that's, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. all right. <laughs> yes, yes. It's coming. It's coming. Very uh, much. Very much. They're like, even like this, teenagers. <laughs> oh, my God. It's coming. I'm telling you, because they're, they're, even the teachers, when I send over videos and pictures, I'm a dad. So, like, they're like, how's Lucas doing? I'm like, how's he doing? I'm I'm sending pictures and video. Like, he's doing this. Like, I took this video. Uh, but they say, they're like, he looks so different. He grew up. You know, when they are, the Google Meets, like, we just set up, you know, his OT started doing one a few weeks ago. And she's like, my God, he looked, you know, he got so big. 
And it's, yeah. um, I mean, we yeah. see it too, I think, even. Like, I see some of these pictures, and then I go back in time. And I see it with Olivia too. Like, you see your kids just, they sprout out, their faces change. You know, they yeah. get that, that round face kind of starts to slim out a little bit. Or even if it stays round, like, their features go less from being like a baby to yes. a kid. I think you don't notice until you see a picture because, you know, you're just daily with them every day until you see a picture or another person sees them and points it out. You realize the babiness is starting to fade and they're becoming little boys now. Is Lucas going to like be like a mustache balding guy? And I'm not even going to know. I'm just going to think he's like a baby still. Cause I, I still, yeah. I feel like he's always going to be three in my head. I just want to pick him up all the time. And like yes. now he's gigantic and I'm still like, let's go buddy. And I'm like an old man. Yeah, like a forklift when he's like forty. <laughs> yeah, I'll just my daughter too. <laughs> like I just pick him up. Lauren, it has been fantastic doing this with you mm-hmm. today. Thank you. you on. I think it's been eye opening. Yes, thank you. I was honored to be ex. So thank you very much. Man, we love. Uh, you know, I, I love talking about my kids. I love talking about them uh, about Lucas with you. Uh, I think yeah. we, we share so many things, so many ideas I get from you, and that's something I think anybody out there listening, if you have a child, whether with autism or without, get to know parents in your circle and get to know the people around you because there's so many things that, that I've come to, to learn and appreciate, really, about uh, being a parent and things that I had to know, things that I don't even know, like I've learned from you, I've learned from other parents who talked to, Danielle, people like that who have come to me and told me, like, you should look into this and you should watch out for this. I've yep. There's been things that no matter how good of a parent you think you are, even if you have a child on the spectrum and we know that people like us were so engrossed in everything that we have to get done, no matter how good you think you are, there's always something that might be slipping your mind that you will remember once you start talking to another parent and they'll be reminded and you'll be able to remind them as well. And I think we've done that for each other in the last uh, few years, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Your, you know, your uh, crowd and your network and your friends are the biggest the biggest support and knowledge for us. So I thank you too, because it's been the same way. So there you have it, guys. Hopefully you've liked this week's episode, the change of pace, the change of style. Hopefully you liked our special guest. How could you not? Uh, really one of those discussions that I was proud to have, glad to have, and hopefully will help some of you guys out there who maybe are going through something similar, maybe sometimes feel a little bit more alone. Uh, we are not alone. We are a community. We are together. And it is for me, getting to do this podcast, a great honor and a great privilege. So going forward, looking forward to doing a lot more things, maybe outside the box a little bit. Again, any questions, send them over to words at highpodomdad.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HiJamesGutman. Uh, and go to highblogomdad.com during the week. There's plenty to read, plenty of stuff to keep you busy. Uh, as the world begins to reopen, maybe you can read it on your way to uh, wherever you end up having to go. Lots of places to go now. So until next time, this is James Gutman saying... Be well. Bye-bye. I'm down.